You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from LunchtimeMovieReview.com, and we are the children of the 80s. Welcome to another episode of Lunchtime Movie Review. Uh, this week, Movie House Memories takes over Lunchtime Movie Review to review a film from the 1980s that is not going to be in anyone's top 100 anytime soon. Uh, my name is Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. Lori. Lori, <laughs> yay! That is so stinging. <laughs> And this week we're going to review 1986, uh, Pretty in Pink, a pick by Lori, who is coming on to Lunchtime Movie Review for the first time. Um, she's coming on to the explicit, the graphic, the very irreverent Lunchtime Movie Review. Are you ready, Lori? I'm ready. Look how I've already classed up the joint with the intros. Yeah, you, that's what you did. You sounded like the retard off uh, There's Something About Mary. With my baseball? Lori! <laughs> <laughs> and before we get into our, uh, I'm sure, we'll, which will be hilarious summary from Lori, uh, first a word from our sponsor. Say, are you poor and going to prom? <laughs> Trying to win over the rich kid of your disgusting, unhygienic, impoverished dreams? Can you even afford to dream in that ramshackle shed your deadbeat father calls a home? If that's you, bring your slack jaw to Tracks Costume Jewelry and Dress Rental. We've got a large selection of cubic zirconia to choose from. We've also got some fancy dresses the rich girls wore once and threw out three seasons ago. They're barely used. They only wore them from 6 p.m. until about three minutes after they checked in their date hotel. Our prices are very competitive for all you low-rent, red-headed townies on the wrong side of the tracks. You people disgust me. <laughs> and if you reserve your dress at least three weeks before prom, we'll even throw in a sponge bath to cover the horrible stench of generations of failure from which you can never escape. Tracks costume jewelry and dress rental. Don't look so poor for once. You know, you're absolutely right there, Matt. That that overwhelming stench of pov just never comes off someone. You know, the best thing about that place is if you uh, have a coupon, you can take Iona home with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lori, let's hear the summary uh, for Pretty in Pink. Feeling better if I asked you the prom? Name's Blaine. He's so beautiful. Blaine? That's a major appliance. That's not a name. serious over some nimrod he's gonna use you and then throw you away you're ashamed to be seen with no, me you're ashamed to go out with me andy walsh is a pretty girl played by 80s icon molly ringwald she is intelligent and has a lot going for her except for her address and her home life andy's mother deserted her family a couple of years before 
probably because she realized she was married to Jack, a dirty repo man played by Harry Dean Stanton. Jack is in a constant state of depression and is unable to hold a job, but so that his character is not without any redeeming qualities, he is still a loving father and confidant to Andy. There is a large divide at Andy's school. No, not between the gingers and the normal people, as you might think, but between the haves and the have-nots. Hey, I resent that last game. <laughs> Are you the have or the have-not? That's my question. I'm afraid I'm a little more to the ginger crowd than anything. <laughs> the two groups are not integrated and do not get along, with the have-nots relegated to the school courtyard, while the haves are free to prance around the air-conditioned school hallways. Andy catches the eye of Blaine with her soccer mom in her 30s dress style. Blaine, played by Andrew McCarthy, comes from the wealthy clique, but still drives a crappy car. Andy is hesitant to start a relationship with Blaine because she lives on the wrong side of of the tracks. Literally. They even show the tracks. Oh, and she likes to wear pink. And apparently she looks pretty in it. The metaphors in this film are not just metaphors. They literally define the characters. Andy has no shortage of friends. She has a loyal pal and ardent admirer in Ducky, played by John Cryer, pre-Alan Harper. Additionally, Andy works at a record store. For the benefit of our younger listeners, like young Matthew here, a record store was what iTunes used to be in the old days, except it was an actual building and smelled like incense. Andy's boss at the record store is Iona, played by Annie Potts. Iona is eccentric and likes to assault and degrade her customers. She also is what gives that place its wonderful smell. (laughs) (laughs) Iona is eccentric and likes to assault and degrade her customers, much like Uh, employees at Denny's do. Well, I wouldn't want to be Denny right now. Blaine eventually works up the courage to, to ask Andy out, and Andy, although very interested, reluctantly agrees. Andy is leery of Blaine's friends, especially his best friend, Steph, played by that blacklister, James Spader. Andy has repeatedly turned down Steph's advances because he is a sleaze with money, and Steph believes that Andy is stuck up trailer trash because she didn't simply swoon to his rich boy advances. Andy and Blaine's first date is beyond awkward. First, Blaine is late, but let's be honest, it takes time to look that pretty, even for a man. Next, they try to attend a party at Steph's house that looks more like a frat party. Blaine's friends, sensing that something is amiss, are quite rude to Andy. The new couple then decides to pop into a club Andy hangs out at and Ducky, with his wounded, ungay ego, makes an unwelcoming scene. To make the date even more awkward, there is a cameo by Andrew Dice Clay as a bouncer playing himself. What acting? After what could only be described as a miserable first date, Andy tells Blaine that she just wants to go home. When he asks where she lives so he can take her home, she freaks out and refuses to tell him, stating that she doesn't want him to see where she lives. Blaine is confused and a little dim, but that is how Andy likes her men. So the two agree to give a relationship a chance, despite the odds. Their next date is more successful, and Blaine sends Andy to Cloud9 by asking her to, are you ready? The prom. Andy's father is excited for her and buys her a secondhand dress that she is able to cut up and make into a fashion statement. She will be the hottest soccer mom at the high school prom. However, the forces of evil are at work. Steph criticizes Blaine for dating Andy. And since Blaine is a little dim, he begins to doubt his feelings for Andy. He avoids Andy at school and refuses her phone calls. Once again, for our younger viewers, like Matt, 
There were no cell phones in the 80s. So when a woman wanted to stalk you, she couldn't just text you or call your cell phone. Or She had to talk to the boy's parents on the home phone. Did you see my, my uh, quotation marks? Air, air quotes, yes. I felt them over here. So. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> when Andy eventually confronts Blaine, he reneges on their prom date, stating that he forgot that he asked someone else. Which may be true because, let's face it, Blaine is more than a little dim. Andy is hurt and angry. Andy resolves to not let them break her and decides to make an appearance at the prom anyway. Ducky, do you remember him? Comes to the rescue and escorts Andy into the ballroom, despite the fact that she dropped him like a hot potato around the halfway point in the film. Blaine has been sitting miserably at a table alone, listening to the longest prom song ever, If You Leave by OMD. That song was like 10 minutes, wasn't it? (laughs) It felt he like it ran the entire film. So <laughs> He sees Andy as she enters with Ducky. He approaches her, apologizes, and tells her that he loves her always as he kisses her cheek and leaves. It actually is quite romantic in a John Hughes 80s teen comedy-like way. Ducky, who apparently has done a complete character change, encourages Andy to go after him. She catches him in the parking lot. They kiss passionately as the movie fades to a happy ending. And they're still playing that song. <laughs> that they are. All right. Pretty in Pink, released on February 28th of 1986, the same day as House with William Cat and Hollywood Vice Squad, and also the same month as FX, The Delta Force, Wildcats, The Hitcher, and Nine and a Half Weeks. So not a lot of teen comedy, teen romance films in February of 1986. It, I thought Delta Force had its charm. Yeah. Uh, hey, House was the one where he like chops up the monsters. I don't. To um, Linda Ronstadt's "You're No Good." It could song. be. Yes, I think I thought so. That was so funny. <laughs> Sorry. It well, it was a horror comedy, but not really for you know, not very uh, teen oriented. I guess a, a horror possibly, but as compared to the other romance film of February of 1986, Nine and a Half Weeks, which is a little demented, but uh, the film grows very romantic. <laughs> Never thought of eating food out of the fridge the same way ever again. So, uh, The film grossed just over $40 million, was the 22nd highest grossing film of 1986, right behind Peggy Sue Got Married, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, and the uh, box office juggernaut of Short Circuit, right in front of The Fly, Three Amigos, and Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, is the 17th highest grossing John Hughes film ever, uh, right behind The Great Outdoors, and it outgrossed both uh, what I would have thought, which would have been much bigger films of the John Hughes film series, Weird Science and Sixteen Candles. And this, he went out on a limb and filmed it in Chicago, which was very rare. For very, very, very rare for John Hughes. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, I thought we could start off our little discussion and just discussing what I think is actually kind of the, the point of this whole entire film is Ducky gay. No, he's not gay. <laughs> he was, he was chasing the girl the whole time. No, no, no. He's putting on airs. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> well, he seemed pretty sincere he, given the lengths to which he went. Him, he never checked out Andrew Dice Clay. And he rode his bike by her house all the time. Yeah, that's stalkerish, but it doesn't mean he's not gay. And Dice Clay was pretty uh, homophobic in the 80s, so he, his, he was probably just staying away from that guy. Uh, Chris, the, do you think his portrayal was a little gay? It was pretty flamboyant. Okay. The over-exaggerated gestures. 
It was yeah. the 80s. Everyone was at least a little gay. If, <laughs> if Glee was a show, he would have ditched her to go watch that instead of prom. Possibly. Lori, was he gay? I don't think there was anything that pointed to that. Personally, I think he was just trying to find his niche. He was just a kid trying to get the attention of a girl that looks pretty in pink. And I just, I, I didn't see anything that said that. I think you really have to read into it to see that. Well, let me read into it for you. Okay, <laughs> let's read. I think the name Ducky alone. Maybe what they would call today, what do they call that? Metrosexual? Sexual? Okay, in 2010, let me, here's, I support my point to say the Ducky's gay. In 2010, for the 20th anniversary of Entertainment Weekly magazine, EW reunited Molly Ringwald, John Cryer and Annie Potts for a photo shoot, shoot and interview. The, the three actors discussed what they thought their characters' likes, lives would have been like after the movie ends. Ringwald said that she thought Andy and Blaine would have broken up shortly after the end of the film. Aw, uh, isn't that sad? But Andy and Ducky would have remained lifelong friends. She also felt Ducky would have, have long since come out as gay. <laughs> not the writer that's saying that it's, it's not the writer but the portrayal and the character is characters that, that he, he was very flamboyant and the joke that you took out of the, the, the summary of the film <laughs> that i said that this is basically uh the uh the character from the best friend character from will and grace 10 years earlier um played by was it sean hayes is that's that's what i it reminds me of every time i i mean it bothered me back then i always thought his character was gay back then but even more so today he's just so over the top and so flamboyant i think that's the vogue thing to do i mean jk rowling came out and said that professor snape was gay and no, I, I just it was think, dumbledore was gay not snape oh, i'm sorry dumbledore that's right snape was in love with uh, harry potter's mom that's right sorry <laughs> um i just couldn't think of his name <laughs> I guess I don't need to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think that's the thing to say. I don't, I don't give that any, I don't put any weight on that. Yeah, but you could take it from the characters. I mean, he's just very over the top. I mean, he's just fr from the opening scene and, and even the way it, it ends, he just kind of lets her go. And I know the argument will be, well, that's, that's what the good friend would do. But the reality of it is the test audience hated the ending where they ended up together. Well, really yeah, they should never have ended up together. That would have been terrible. Did you guys think that he was funny? No. No. <laughs> I wanted to punch I thought, him. I wanted to bitch I, slap him. I, I didn't think he was very funny, but I thought he was charming. I mean, I knew kids like that in high school that just were constantly seeking attention. Yeah, I Man, knew kids like that too, and they were gay. <laughs> <laughs> the ones I knew weren't. Chris oh, knew them as well. Weren't they gay, Chris? Uh, I'm not sure if they were or if their boyfriends were gay. It could go either way. <laughs> you're going to have to dish after the show because I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, what do you think about the the possibility that Robert Downey Jr. would have played the role of Ducky instead of John Cryer? I could watch Robert Downey Jr. in anything. Oh, you're like my he wife. He did that exact same part in Back to School. That's exactly who I felt Ducky was channeling. I don't know which one was first, but that, at this point... Robert Downey Jr.'s character from Back to School and Ducky are one and the same. God, I get the feeling, you know, John Cryer might have been uh, snorting some of Robert Downey Jr.'s coke to get those energy levels for this role. <laughs> so they were pretty interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I can't see John Cryer playing Iron Man or Sherlock Holmes at this point in time. But can you see Robert Downey Jr. playing Walleye in, in Hot Shots? Yes. Because I can't. Actually, I can. <laughs> 
he's so talented, Robert Downey Jr. He can do anything. Lori's wiping some drool off her chin right now. <laughs> she wants herself a little RDJ. So I no, I I think he's one of the greatest actors of this generation. I really do of the eighties. The people he grew as he got older mm-hmm. and stopped. Doing he drugs. grew from playing borderline gay characters in eighties movies to Iron Man. Who wears little costumes all day? I guess I just know some guys that you think <laughs> could be gay, yes. but they're not. <laughs> and I just, I don't assume, I never assume that. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Hey, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, Jerry Seinfeld. Thing. I like the character better <laughs> if he is gay and he's just the supportive friend. That's like what him better. I like. And that's the way the film mm-hmm. ends. He's a supportive friend, and I think that's more consistent. I don't get the romantic tension and i don't think they do a good job of once she goes off with blaine he kind of i mean he acts like the spurned lover and his feelings are hurt for a little bit but then at the end of the film just does a complete 180 for almost no reason and i just think it's i prefer to think just would have made him gay the entire time and he's just the supportive friend who comes there to help her out at prom well it would have explained his feigned attraction for molly ringwald that's true too this is her least attractive role of the John Hughes films. I, I didn't like Sixteen Candles at all. Oh, I love Sixteen Candles. I love oh. Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club. Those are my two favorite. I love Breakfast Club, but I didn't like Sixteen Candles. Oh, this one, this one's horrible. Uh, what about <laughs> what we've kind of talked about it? What about the ending of the film? Are you guys happy that she goes off with Blaine? I am. I, I like that ending. Of course, you know, I'm going back to the first time I saw it in high school, and I, I liked the ending. I I didn't want her to get with Ducky just because he was so annoying. Because he was gay. He was not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't out somebody without <laughs> No, No, I'm not outing John Cryer. I'm outing I'm the kidding. character of Ducky. I mean so, the character. Somebody up there right now put a hashtag, Ducky is gay. <laughs> I, I I thought the uh, ending of the movie just really drove home the whole superficial teeny you know nature of the movie that it's like oh yay she she got a rich guy instead of the guy who absolutely adores her and and treats her wonderfully I thought it was just teenage trash I I thought the total opposite I thought it had a Breakfast Club kind of effect of doesn't matter what group you're in. We can all just get along. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> just... Chris, help me out here. Ending? Sucked. Okay. All right. It sucked. <laughs> I, I didn't even like the fact that there was that they gave Ducky kind of a girl at the end for him to be somewhat, that somewhat interested in him. I thought he should have been alone the whole time. Well, first of all, much better looking girl than Molly Ringwald. Yeah. yeah. Agreed, Matt? Much well, better? Well, it doesn't take much. <laughs> now that's just rude. <laughs> I could just say that one of the two women was not wearing grandma panties at the prom. That's true. Matt, are you saying you don't like gingers? <laughs> I, this one in particular. <laughs> uh, the ending is horrible. I mean, the the this whole premise is that they... They can overcome their social backgrounds, you know, their social economic backgrounds to find true love in each other. He basically succumbs and dumps her ass um, the same way that Denise Richards dumps uh, Casper Van Diem or whatever in Starship Troopers to go on to something better because of the pressure that he's feeling. 
And I'm gonna say I did not see the starship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was reaching there, but it was a, it's another film that annoys me that okay the wrong person died. She should have died in that film because she dumped him when she, when he needed her, and the one who stand loyal to him, the one who stuck by him and went into ba- basic training and went into fight the bugs, she dies. You know that's that's the one who needs to be with him, but. Uh, I digress. Anyways, you know, he dumps her and he treats her like crap. And then when she comes to the prom, you know, he comes and he makes an apology. So that's, that's his character's progress, but she still needs permission from Ducky. She still needs to have that. I don't know, permission to go do so. She doesn't. No, 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 let me, I listened to your thoughts saying, (laughs) sorry, Ducky was what? Ducky permission because he was escorting her. She didn't want to just dump him again. No, no, no. She she needed – that's what she needed to go after him is Ducky to say, it's okay, he was here. And that's what – that's what she needed the permission from her friend. And so she doesn't really grow as a character because she, she's, she's still embarrassed of where she came from and she's still, you know, embarrassed that she's dating this guy to her friends. I mean, her friends were just as negative towards her dating him as his friends were to him dating her. I also wasn't. In her no, defense, true. Though, no, she was she, not. In her defense, she was dating a guy who um, toted around Bernie while he was dead for a weekend. So there's there's not a whole lot to write home about this guy. Yeah, but that wasn't for another three years. So no. I totally saw that a different way. I didn't think she was asking Ducky for for permission to have a relationship with him. She just didn't want to leave him at the prom after he generously rescued her. They came there separately, so they were planning on it anyway. No, it's not like he bought her dinner. I mean, he met her there, and she didn't even know he was coming. No, but she walked in with him, and she wasn't just going to say, oh, later, and run out. She no, no, he's was- going to upgrade. We saw that. <laughs> you know how those teenage girls are. I just think you guys are totally, you're, you're totally reading it a different way than I did. Yeah, we're reading it the way it should be interpreted. <laughs> Well, don't be so modest, Patrick. <laughs> it was written by a man, so only a man can interpret this. And that's so oh. pretty man. He could have been Ducky in his uh, previous life. But he certainly was not Ferris Bueller. In Lori's defense, written by John Hughes, the ending was supposed to be the way it was written by him was Ducky and Andy ending together. That's what was intended for the film. That's because he still missed his girl that got away in high school. And the audience didn't like it because... Uh. Ducky was so annoying. Because <laughs> he was gay. Because Andy was too smart. I mean, I, I like Ducky, but he just wasn't the man for her. Now, the the bad guys, you know, the friends who are disapproving, are they really bad in this? I mean, other than Steph, the rest of them are just, they're assholes, but they're not like, it's not like they really care one way or the other. They just, they kind of judge him for it. They don't push Blaine no, to that do that Benny it. was vicious. Who? Benny. Steph's the girl? girlfriend. She was vicious. And her friend, I can't remember what her friend's name was, like when they said, we'll take the paper in class. Yeah, but, yeah, that but was- Andy and uh, her friend really got the better lines against them. You know, they might have been uh, dicks toward them, but they they held their own and probably did better in, in terms of being an ass towards these people, even though they didn't start it. But they didn't start it. That's the point. They were kind of yeah. defending themselves. I thought they were vicious. Uh, but that was even before. That's not even anything to do with Blaine. I mean, what do they do really other than Steph once uh, her, uh, Steph and Andy start dating? 
I, I think we're supposed to dislike them more than they justified. I think, you know, the the director thinks he, we we could throw some rich kids up there and will instinctively boo them. You know, ooh, they think no. they're better than me. No. And, you know, and they, they were just so disgusted by these poor people. You know, they just needed a... I don't know, James I, I Spader think- does play a great asshole, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is very good at that. I think they were just bullies. And I again, I knew... I think they just represented people we knew in high school. And I've known people with the snarky comments that are just always trying to put people down. And, and so I to, <laughs> but yours were funny, but <laughs> the people that you just instantly dislike. I mean, the reason I instantly dislike because those characters, they're rich. No, not because they're rich. It had nothing to do with that, but it was that, but but those characters, I instantly disliked them because of the way they treated Andy, and it and it just instantly made a connection to me of those people that just were vicious, mean girls. <laughs> Did you really have people like that in high school? Though every '80s movie that I see like this, where um, like these rich people are just overly dicks, and um, <laughs> you know they they hate people just because they look a certain way. I didn't necessarily see that in high school unless in I was sheltered. School. Or I, I saw that in middle school, not middle in high school. school. Wait a minute. You went to middle school with Chris and I. What are you talking about? I saw that in middle school. My middle school. Well, yeah, Lori yeah, was, was the one throwing mustard at <laughs> poor kids. You weren't a girl. You weren't in the girls' locker room. You didn't know what was going on in there. Girls were mean in middle school. They were vicious. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Doesn't speak well for Tortellini Junior High. Hey, what did you say? You can't. You you can't know. You're not a girl. That's true. I was not in the girls' locker room. Oh, you weren't a middle school girl. In middle that school, that would be if we were watching Porky's. <laughs> oh, that's next month's episode. Uh, so. Oh, I, I'm going to be out of town. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, Andy's friends are just as judgmental, but I think they go out of way to make Blaine's friends look like the bad guys. Because oh. it was more from her perspective. I mean, you could have very easily made it from his perspective, and everybody would have been dicks to him, too. But if you take it, it's not from her perspective. If you're seeing the conversation between Steph and Blaine, she's not there for it. She's not present for it. I mean, the film, she's the protagonist of the film, so that's she's the character we're supposed to root for. But, you know, I, I was trying watching this. It's been a long time since I saw I haven't seen it since the 80s. I couldn't remember if they ended up together or not. Um, I was pretty sure she didn't end up, end up with Ducky because he was gay, but I couldn't remember if she ended up with Blaine if it just ended. And I was like, God, I hope she I actually kind of hopes that she doesn't end up with Blaine because I think w- at one point she did end up on a table with Ducky with the cake and candles. Oh, no, that was a different one. I, I knew that movie. So, oh. uh, what about the soundtrack? I was actually surprised that I knew songs off the soundtrack and I did not have the soundtrack when I was a kid, but I bet you Lori did. I I didn't. Really? That surprises me. But there was a lot of actually good songs on the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I own most of those. They played them enough on the radio that you didn't need the tapes. True. I I did not realize as many of the songs that came off the soundtrack. I mean, I knew um, OMD and The Smiths. Obviously, uh, those were the two big popular songs. But, I mean, they had NXS and Suzanne Vega and the Psychedelic Furs and Echo and the Bunnyman, which were groups that I I knew who they were in the 80s. And I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't a, a bigger soundtrack. Uh, you know, I did have a mixtape that I recorded off the radio. <laughs> and and oh, okay. it's really funny because the weather is on it. Okay. <laughs> what boy did you give that mixtape to, Lori? That one I kept for myself. <laughs> What's a mixtape? <laughs> 
It's what uh, the Desperate Lonely Hearts made for the, the ones that they loved uh, in the 80s, and that was kind of their first gift. Oh, you were supposed to give them away? I just yes. I made them for myself. <laughs> well, people like Lori like to listen to it in the car when they drove to the prom by themselves, but that's okay. <laughs> I didn't wait for the announcer to stop talking. <laughs> Mine are really bad. You can hear the weather. It's, it's actually kind of historic. Mine are because I captured a lot. <laughs> Lori made fun of o the OMD song in her summary. What did you guys think of that song? Just out of care, I, I think of it as the you know kind of the long prom song or the the dance song that they played all the time at dances in high school. Do you guys like that song? Yeah, I do. That being, if you leave, Matt, I, I find eighties pop music altogether dreadful. <laughs> oh, Matt, um, oh. and I th I thought this was pretty par for the course. <laughs> Where did you find this guy? <laughs> Bad. Oh, I love 80s music. Well, 80, 80s pop. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. I, I don't like the saxophone, the 80, the 80s saxophone sound that's in all the songs. That that annoys me. How about the some... 80s dance that what they were doing? That was pretty stereotypical of the decade. I still do that. <laughs> you know, some very good blues rock and heavy metal came out of that decade. But, I mean, <laughs> you know... The, the John Carpenter stuff kind of makes me want to punch myself in the face. John Carpenter, who directed oh, sorry, Halloween? John, yeah, John Carpenter <laughs> stuff. No, that stuff's actually better. The John Hughes stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he didn't write the music. He just listened to it. No, but you know what I mean? It's all, it all, it's all that, that same ethos, that 80s thing. OMD, that, the Smiths, Psychedelic Furs, Echo and the Bunny. <laughs> now you're on to it. Just classic Other than... Other than Pretty in Pink, though, I don't associate any of these songs with the film because it had been so long since I had seen it. But they're still played all the time on the radio. Yeah. If You Leave is still played. And it's the, yeah. the one – you know, I always forget there's a song called Pretty in Pink. But the If You Leave is a song that I will forever remember with this film, even though this is only the second time I've ever seen this film. Because it's, half, it's played half the movie. All right. Now let's wrap up the show. Let's see. Let's go around the table and see who, who says Pretty in Pink stands the test of time. I think I can predict this one, but we'll start alphabetically. Chris. Um, this is not my favorite movie uh, of all the John Hughes movies. He's made a ton of better films. As far as standing the test of time, I mean, it's a pretty timeless story, and there's no special effects that look, would look dated. The outfits clearly are terrible, especially John Cryer's. But, you know, other than that, I, I'd say it stands up the test of time since the themes are very timeless. All right. Favorite John Hughes film of all time? Oh, my God. You got to put me on the spot? Yes. <sighs> um, 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 In my viewpoint, there's only like about four that could even possibly be the, the correct answer. Man, I don't know if Vacation would be. Um, Uncle Buck probably. Ooh, uh, a, a dark horse. I'd forgotten about. I, I love Uncle Buck. All right, Matt. Uh, to answer your questions, no. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Laurie, I think it stands the test of time, and I love the '80s nostalgia it gives me because I, you know, was a teenager in the '80s, so that's my wheelhouse, and it's a tie because. It depends what mood I'm in. I, Ferris Bueller is my favorite comedy. Breakfast Club, if I want to be cerebral, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I love that movie, though. The symbolism in that movie is just amazing. But I have to be in the mood for it. But I, both of those are my favorites. 
Um, I did not like this film in the 80s. I do not like it any better now. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like... <laughs> That's what you sounded like. <laughs> I hey, do not like... I didn't realize he wrote Drill Bit Taylor. <laughs> he did write Drill Bit Taylor. That's... Then that's his best work. What's <laughs> <laughs> Drill Bit Taylor? It's an Owen Wilson film that he made uh, this decade. All he did after Curly Sue, he kind of withdrew from Hollywood, and all he do, would do is write scripts, and usually under a pseudonym, so that he didn't know they were John Hughes films. Did he have? And he didn't miss much. Was he angry? Is that why he? I think he just had enough of Hollywood um, that his he was kind of an icon of the '80s, and then kind of. You know, his films started to, they became more kiddie oriented. He, he got away from the teen comedy and got, he tried to, he did some films where he tried to grow up, like She's Having a Baby, which I think is an un, uh, is a very, sorry, is a very good film, but I underappreciated. I really, really like that film. That's it, a really good movie. Yeah. Um, it's with uh, Kevin Bacon, right? Correct. Kevin Bacon. I love that movie. And Alec Baldwin's in it. And then he took a, you know, after those didn't seem to, do too well. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Another one um, that I, I think is underappreciated. How about uh, those bears? Yeah, um, those aren't pillows. Uh, <laughs> so, but then very he, quotable film. Then, then he went very kiddie, and he, he did Home Alone, Home Alone Two, Curly Sue, Dennis the Menace. Uh, I think he did the Beethoven films. I mean, he he got he he went very kiddie, and that's kind of where he stayed for the rest of his career, other than Trillbit Taylor. So. Best John Hughes film, Hughes film, without a doubt, The Breakfast Club. I think that's the epitome. Although I don't understand Laurie not liking Sixteen Candles. That that to me is like that's that's not my humor. It's it's the same. It's actually it's literally the same as like Ferris Bueller. No, Ferris Bueller's funny. I don't know. I just I never got. I don't know. Maybe it was the maybe it was the mood I was in the first time I watched it, and it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know. I just never liked that movie. Come on, Long Duck Dong. I mean, that guy is hilarious. I didn't think so. I <laughs> I, I was kind of offended by him. I don't know. Ducky, I'm really sorry. Is this is um, you're gonna you're gonna go out with this guy. I mean, is this you know, like a date or? Yeah. I mean, you like him. He's not like the other guys. Seriously. No, 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 what? Man, you really pissed me off, you know, because, you know, they shit all over everybody, including you. I just, I can't believe you'd be this stupid. Who's shitting on me? I'm not going to let anybody shit well, on me. He's just, he's going to use your ass and throw you away. God, I would have died for you. So what am I supposed to do? He asked me out and I like him. If I hate him because he's got money, just listen to me. If I hate him because he's got money, that's the exact same thing as them hating us because we don't. Do you understand? You can't do this and and respect yourself. You you you, you, you can't. Well, I'll make that decision, all right? Sure, you can you can do what you want. You know you're talking like that just because I'm going out with Blaine. Blaine? His name is Blaine. Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. Just because I'm going out with Blaine doesn't mean I can't be friends with you. I mean, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. Oh, that's very nice. I'm I'm glad. Here's here's the point, Annie. I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned with whether or not you like me. Because I live to like you, and, and, and I can't like you anymore. All right. That will do it for this review of Pretty in Pink. Uh, thanks for allowing Movie House Memories to come on to Lunchtime Movie Review. Thanks once again for joining us and listening in to, on to this little bi-weekly podcast. 
prob- Matt and the rest of the gang will probably return in the near future for the, another episode. Uh, join us on July 10th for another classic episode of Lunchtime Movie Review. Uh, if you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Facebook at Movie House Memories or Lunchtime Movie Review or on Twitter at MH Memories or Lunchtime Movie. On either Facebook or Twitter, uh, you can keep up on uh, information about our upcoming podcasts of both Lunchtime Movie Review as well as Movie House Memories podcasts. Uh, Additionally, if you enjoyed ourselves, please, please go on to iTunes and rate our podcasts and uh, write a short review if you have some time. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we get from fans of the show. Well, that is it for this ep- episode of Lunchtime Movie Review. I'd like to thank uh, my three co-hosts here today uh, for being here and taking their time out of their busy schedule of doing one other podcast to come and do this podcast. Till next time, I'm Patrick. I am not Ducky. Lori. Oh, oh I'm after Chris. <laughs> I'm Lori, and it's so different being here at lunch. Put the cake down, Lori. <laughs> You're supposed to eat dessert after the meal. Sorry. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, listeners, in the immortal world, words of the Dice Man, loves a bitch, duck, loves a bitch. Good night. This podcast is not endorsed by Paramount Home Entertainment. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Pretty in Pink, all names and sounds of Pretty in Pink characters, and any other Pretty in Pink related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Paramount Home Entertainment or the respective trademark and or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is intellectual property of Lunchtime Movie Review, Movie House Memories, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted. <laughs>